back to Atypical Talk. This is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith, culture, and the common spaces of our humanity. I'm Abby. I'm Allison. And I'm Joel. And I just want to thank everyone who's been listening. We've gotten a handful more reviews. No one's actually left like text reviews, so we can't read them off or anything. But I want to thank those people that have reviewed and given us five stars. Thankfully, it's only five stars so far. So. Yeah, my mom doesn't know how to do a two-star yet, so that's why we're all five stars. Yeah, probably. We'll start off with the question, if you guys could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? Okay, so this is kind of a tough one, but um, I would choose Robin Williams. Not only because I want to know about like all of the people he had the opportunity to work with and like why he chose the movies that he was in and those kinds of things, but also because I want to talk about um, how with like all of his resources and you know you just think like the amount of money that celebrities have and stuff like that um, to be able to fight uh, mental health and depression like they weren't enough. So, like, what can we be doing and, you know, like, despite resources or, like, all of the access that he would have had, like, what could we have done kind of Mm -hmm. a thing? So, I just feel like for people out in the world, it would just be so eye-opening to know, like, if there was something that we could be doing or things we could have seen or done differently. So, anyways... Mm -hmm. That was a long explanation, but that's what I would choose. You're much deeper because <laughs> if I was having dinner with Robin Williams, I would just want, hey, will you do like. Just make me laugh. Just yeah. make me laugh. Like do your voice from Aladdin. Yeah. Like, can, yeah. You, can you do the genie? Can no. you do the genie? Right? Yeah. I mean, I probably would at some point, but I also want to know those other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I think it would be Sir Paul McCartney from Ooh, the Beatles. Yeah. I think I would love to sit down and have a pint with Sir Paul. Yeah. You think about. The Beatles, like they're really like this, the pillar of pop culture in the last, you know, 60, 70 years. Like what they did was so amazing. Um, Paul was like the leader, the driver of the band through some of my favorite records that they did. And I would just love to sit down and try not to like, uh, hey, <laughs> remember that time you were in the Beatles? Like I would like try to ask him. Yeah real questions and just ask about you know the the creative output that these four guys had um, was basically from 1964 to 1969 every Beatles thing that happened was in five so years short yeah such a short period of time but their creative output is unparalleled um, from you know what they did with Sgt. Peppers and the White Album and Let It Be and Abbey Road even the Magical Mystery Tour, which for Beatle diehard fans, um, I believe Side B of Magical Mystery Tour is an incredible <laughs> part of their catalog. Uh, but it would just be amazing to sit down and hear how that worked out, some of the stories behind the songs, um, and just try to like not stare at him and be like, I'm sitting with this guy who sort of built the world of music that I love so much. He created so many different genres of music. You know, It'd be such an incredible time. You wouldn't actually say like, Tell me what you really think about Yoko Ono. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, no. that's where we're different. But no, him and Yoko, that's all just, that's a rumor. They, they got along. That's not what, she didn't break the Beatles up. You know, oh. it wasn't really what happened. But that's another topic for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, what about for, you? For me, it would be uh, Julie Andrews. I've loved Mary Poppins for a really long time. And 
I actually went to a dinner theater with my husband the other day and we watched a production of Mary Poppins and the actress who played her did a great job but I also just sit there I'm like oh I wish this was Julie Andrews (laughs) (laughs) and I've just I loved her in Mary Poppins uh Princess Diaries um Sound of Music she's just a great singer great actress and she just seems like such a sweet person I love this so much getting to know you more Abby because you are so eclectic. You like horror movies, you play <laughs> video games, and you love Mary Poppins yeah. deeply. And like, I'm trying to figure you out, but it's an amazing thing. That's hey, awesome. I'm trying to figure myself out. <laughs> I was going to say, don't try to figure it out. Just go with it. Yeah. So our first article today is a fairly local story. It's from Warsaw, Indiana. Pastor John Lowe II Uh, came to his congregation and admitted that he committed adultery. A woman then came up and said she was victimized as a teen. This is an Indie Star article. So a quick summary about this. John Lowe admitted to his congregation that he committed adultery 20 years ago during a Sunday morning service on May 22nd. He said in his confession, it continued far too long and involved one person and there's been no other. I have no defense. I sinned. I need to say that, and you deserve to hear it. All of this was followed with a standing ovation from his congregation. It was then that a woman took the stage and stated that this happened 27 years ago when she was 16. She boldly confronted him alongside her husband for lying to his congregation. A handful of people asked from their seats if this was true, and Lowe admitted that it was. A few dozen people walked up to encircle and support the pastor as another man led a prayer. Lowe has since stepped down as lead pastor. Now, there's so many questions that go along with this that we won't know the answer to and probably won't ever know the answer to. But, um, you know, we want to know why he admitted it so far after it happened. We want to know why she was there in the congregation. But all this is stuff that I don't think we're going to figure out. Yeah, no, that's one of the questions I had is like, what made him do that on that day? Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, the more you read, the more speculation people throw out there. And, um, you know, you don't really know because he's not actually said and he's really the only person that probably knows. But, yeah, it's like, okay, so 27 years later, what made you stand up there and, Mm -hmm. and do that? And then, you know, one of the hard parts for me to watch if you watch the video is you know the standing ovation and the clapping that people did I wanted to crawl under my seat and cry Mm -hmm. and then yeah the you know the people coming alongside him at the end like he was he was the victim victim. yeah yeah Yeah. and just praying for him I'm like what what are you doing what are you doing Mm -hmm. yeah there's so many infuriating elements to this story. Um, But I think, you know, looking at him in that moment, him sort of only admitting half the truth and him controlling it in a way that looked like authenticity. Um, It kind of looked like vulnerability, Mm -hmm. but it's what uh, author Chuck Chuck DeGroat calls uh, faux vulnerability, you know, Mm because it was just fake. But it looked like he was being authentic and actually sharing something that happened one time, Mm -hmm. a long time ago with a consenting adult. And then you find out that, no, she was, was 16, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is not an affair. This was rape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so infuriating, so sad. I mean, to wonder, um, did nobody see this coming? Did nobody 
ever even whisper about this. I mean, for me being a pastor in church leadership, I think this is where the power of um, accountability is from your board of directors, your elders, your deacons, people that can like, okay, if they smell something's up, if they think something's going on, um, they could say something. Mm -hmm. And I think um, it's so easy in churches, it's so easy to set up fake boundaries, and it's so easy to um, put people around you that are never gonna call you to the carpet, Mm -hmm. your boys, your girls that, Maybe you led them to Christ, and so there's this weird relationship inside of it where you know they feel like they do anything for you. I mean, there's just so mm-hmm. many broken pieces to the way that church structures and governance can play out. And this just looks to me like an institutional failure um, yeah. from him mm-hmm. um, living this dual life. And I think there are more women that are coming forward mm-hmm. since this original mm-hmm. story came out. So he's living this dual life and then having no governing board that um, had the courage or the guts or the chutzpah to actually like, hey, what's going on yeah. here? And people leaving and not asking questions, um, just tragic, mm-hmm. um, just so tragic. But I will say like for me, um, I was just so moved by the courage of this young woman, mm-hmm. or I guess she's maybe not even that young anymore, <laughs> yeah. but this woman and her husband who got on stage and told the truth Mm -hmm. and after a long time people might want to shove down what really happened and act like it didn't happen and try to move on but the courage the bravery the guts that it took to call a spade a spade Mm -hmm. and say that you are no pastor you are an abuser and um, I mean it was Mm heart-wrenching to hear Mm -hmm. but man I just am hopeful and prayerful that Two, two things, that these situations would stop happening and church leaders would stop abusing their platform and their role to shepherd and lead their people. But the second thing is that uh, we start to you know, take women seriously and let them have platforms to where they can share about abuse and about things that actually happen so they don't have to live in the shadows mm-hmm. and uh, there doesn't need to be a trail of dead bodies behind the bus of the church um, because of a leader who is out of control, living a dual life, um, had no business being any kind of spiritual leadership. Yeah. Well, and for as many people as were like coming around him and supporting him, you could hear people in the crowd, like, uh, you know, yelling for him to like own up to what he had done if he had yeah. done it. And um, you can see on the video that there are people that kind of come around her and her husband as they're leaving and um, in support. And you know, so I'm hoping that there's more of that than what we could yeah. actually see on the video or people that reached out um, to her. And one of the things in the article that it said, uh, the church's statement that they put out was, um, it's our deepest prayer and commitment to love, support, encourage, and help her through a process of healing in any way in which we are able. And, you know, so for me, like, I really hope that's true. Like, yeah. you know, this has been, you know, 27 years I can't imagine the, you know, hurt and the trauma and all that she'll have to process. And now that this is in the public and has gone national and, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's just a lot that comes uh, into play there. So I really hope that they back up what they said in their statement Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, are willing to provide all the resources that they should have provided years and years ago. Yeah. And I, yes, I totally agree. And the other thing that I think churches, um, mess up a lot when there's a moral failure of a leader or when there 
is some impropriety that happens inside of the, the church family, um, is that they want to move really quickly to reconciliation and they want to move really quickly to uh, you know, things being restored and forgiveness. And those are all beautiful things and all things that, you know, can be the end goal. But I think churches skip over a session or a season of lament, mm-hmm. of mourning the brokenness and the sin and the, the things that happened and the things that were left undone and just calling a spade and spade and mm-hmm. say, there was sin here. There was brokenness. This was not part of God's good plan for this community. And and inside of that, there should be prosecution. There should be people um, that are held accountable. I mean, I think this whole the whole board mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. should resign, and they should start from scratch yeah. because of a institutional failure. And this man, um, I don't even like calling him a pastor. Um, he should be prosecuted mm-hmm. and held mm-hmm. um, accountable for what he did. But after that, after we actually look at the evil in the face and we call a spade a spade, then we can move on to. Um, what's the other side of this tragedy and this crime looks like. Yeah, yeah. Well, all of this was captured on Facebook Live, and um, you can find that video out there if you want to look at it. But we're going to go ahead and move on to our next article. This is about a woman who faces daily hate for a TikTok about spending $25,000 to clone her dead pet cat. She said she has no regrets. This is an insider article by Carissa Chong. Kelly Anderson is a professional dog trainer and social media influencer. One Instagram account she ran was for posting photos of her cat, Chai. This account had, at the time, 80,000 followers. In 2017, Chai passed away at the age of five. It was then that Kelly sent off DNA from Chai to Viagen and paid $25,000 to have her cat cloned. Viagen's website states that the result of cloning is a genetic twin of your current cat, born at a later date and time, and that its process uses tissue samples taken from a cat to create a new one by producing new cells that share the same genetic identity as the tissue sample. The new cat is named Belle and is identical to Chai. She has received lots of criticism on social media for this decision. This is wild. <laughs> I didn't know you could so do wild. this. This is Jurassic Park stuff happening I know. I'm right thinking in front of us. Jurassic Park, Pet cemetery, yeah. weird <laughs> stuff like that. Well, and I thought, you know, how many people actually do this? You know, so like... You, More. I think, yeah, you just got somebody it? else signed up. I'm raising my <laughs> hand you. right now. I didn't know that you could do this. <laughs> yeah, no, your wife... Uh, I'm all I, in. I, I just opened it. three credit cards on my laptop right now. We're going to figure this thing out. <laughs> But so many, like Abby went to the website and we're scrolling, looking at all the pictures. And I'm like, it's mind blowing. It was also interesting. I I read that it took almost four years to clone her original cat because the uh, uh, average amount of time that the company says is it takes a year. But because her cat was deceased, the cells had like, whatever, do you? generated that's probably not a word i don't really know anything we're, about we're, cloning cats but we're scientists <laughs> we're, <laughs> and not a scientist uh disclaimer but four years she waited for this clone cat it's 
so mind-boggling. Worth it. <laughs> if they could do dogs is all I'm saying. Oh, so. they do dogs. They oh, just yeah. cost more. It's oh, like, yeah. Of course it does. It because, does, yeah. Because dogs are like a full soul and cats are like a fifth of a soul, right? Is that how that works? Well, I mean, All the cat lovers accurate. are out of here as soon as they heard me say that. Yeah, I'm pulling up the brochure right now. So oh. the price for... Uh, cats it's more than what she paid so it's changed well everything's more expensive now i mean gas prices i mean you know cloning your dog cat you know it's all going up so cat cloning is thirty five thousand dollars now so ten thousand more than she paid Dog cloning is fifty thousand, and horse cloning is eighty five. Horses. That's where you lost me, Mister Ed. Being cloned (laughs) is a bridge too far. But you know, like we've just decided in our house because we have an eleven year old golden doodle who is still our puppy. Mm -hmm. Is what we call Lainey. Uh, We just decided that she's she's not going to die. She's not going to get older because. I just found this out yes. that we can actually clone Lainey and yeah. she can be with us forever. And that'll be natural and normal and cost effective. <laughs> we'll just save ourselves now because then it won't take four years. But this lady said that she didn't want to bring her cat back from the dead. She just wanted to carry on a piece of her because that's some of the criticism that people mm-hmm. have been giving her is like, you know, why are you trying to bring your cat back from the dead? And I'm like... I don't know. There's just something still very weird yeah. about how the, how she is saying it. I mean, I'm all for, like, long live Grumpy Cat. Like, I don't know if you guys remember <laughs> Grumpy Cat, but if that cat could have lived forever, I would have been fine with that. So I think you guys are just being very callous <laughs> to the reality <laughs> that we don't want our pets to die. I mean, I've never had a pet since I've been an adult die and. I went to saw, you know, I saw Marley and me when it was in theaters um, (laughs) and nobody told me that Marley wasn't going to make it. So I'm sitting there like waiting for all the credits to roll out and it was dark and I was just crying my eyes out, like ugly crying. I didn't want anybody to see me because I was such a hot mess. And did you guys know that there's a website that we've got a link in the show notes? Uh This is a game changing website called (gasps) doesthedogdie.com. And on the title of this website, it says crowdsourced emotional spoilers for movie, TV, books, and more, where you can actually, before you watch something, before you read something, you can see if the dog is going to make it. And this, this is the thing that the internet is giving me as a gift today. So I hope that will help you. And maybe if you know these things, you won't have to clone your dog. Um, But yeah, we love our pets. They're amazing, amazing gifts. Um, yeah, it's incredible. I'm so grateful that God let let us have pets that could be by our side. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Well, and her new kitty, Belle the Clone Kitty, has its own TikTok. In case you you know are on TikTok and you want to go check it out, it's Belle the Clone Kitty. You can see this new cat. <laughs> How would you like to be known as the clone? <laughs> the clone one? kitty. Like I you're not even. <laughs> you're not even an original. Yeah, oh. Right. There's some. There's some psychology in that, some trauma of, I was the clone. Yeah. Grumpy. yeah. There's Grumpy Cat, cat for you. Oh, I loved Grumpy Cat. <laughs> Maybe because I can relate. Well, it's fine. So Joel is set on doing this. You know, he's yeah, ready I, I to just go. signed up. Yeah. <laughs> Took Allison. out a second mortgage. <laughs> Allison, what about you? I mean... Do you even okay. love your dogs? Listen, <laughs> I do. I post so many pictures of, we have a Bernadoodle. So if you're not familiar, she's part Bernese Mountain Dog and part Standard Poodle. And she literally saved my quarantine. I tell people I had a kid that went off to college. Then we had, you know, a pandemic. And so I got a dog. Yes, I was one of those people. But I have no regrets because I 
freaking love this dog. Um, but then we also have a boxer who is nine, and we can't talk about the fact that she's aging because my college-age uh, daughter just can hardly stand the thought. <laughs> she's already planning at needing to take bereavement when this dog passes. So, <laughs> you know, thought of cloning her dog it is appealing, but mm-hmm. also, like, I'm way too practical and realistic for all of that kind of yeah. stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I It weirds me out. I was on my on the phone with my husband the other day on speakerphone, and I was telling him about this story, and he goes, I love Stella, but we're not paying $50,000 to clone her. And she was next to me. She dropped her ball and hung her head. <laughs> she was offended. She's like the audacity of this man. What kind man. of dad? What kind of dad are you, Lucas? Oh, cruel. She was very upset by that, apparently. But. I mean, shh, these are things we don't talk about out loud. <laughs> I know. Mixed company. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I can't imagine doing this. No. No. I mean, it it weirds me out too cars. Much. Like. Mm-hmm. Just think the money that you could, the yeah. good you could do. Uh, even. I just can't imagine life without. I, I work with I work with these heartless people. <laughs> well, <laughs> believe it. <laughs> even money aside, like my animal's dead. I don't want to like bring. It feels like pet cemetery where yeah. I'm bringing it back to life, yeah. and it's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you never know. Yeah. Okay, so we have another question for you guys. What are you streaming right now? This can be podcast, music, uh, TV show, movie, whatever whatever you're streaming. You want to kick us off, Joel? Yeah, in our house right now, um, we uh, don't have a lot of brain space at the end of the day to watch something new. So we have not been watching a new show, but... Um, my wife and I are both children of the 90s, and so on Hulu and on other streaming platforms, they've got some like sitcoms from the 90s, mm-hmm. and uh, I make fun of Megan for this all the time, but she loves Frasier, oh. <laughs> so, and I kind of like watch it and kind of make fun of it, and our dog barks, uh, Lainey barks whenever that dog is on the screen in Frasier, <laughs> but it's got me, and I'm getting my wife back because I'm watching another 90s sitcom right now that she can't get into, but it was a show from 1996 to 2002 called Spin City. Oh, I and, never watched it. Oh, yeah. I, I think my parents would watch it some, and they told me I shouldn't watch it with them because it was too adult when I was oh. a kid, but so now I can watch it because yeah. you can't tell me what to do, Mom. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's Michael J. Fox. It's actually his last show that he was in before oh, he had really? to stop acting okay. because of part Parkinson's yeah. he's in the first four seasons um, and there's just a, like a, so many guest stars in it that are now famous like Jennifer Garner was like some side character's girlfriend in an episode the other <laughs> like Stephen no Colbert one, yeah. was this guy who stood up at a press conference I'm like that's Stephen Colbert <laughs> so it's kind of fun watching yeah. like all these people come through but it's about um, a, a administration a mayoral administration in New York City so it's kind of like politics but there's like this team atmosphere where they're all trying to work together but it's really funny and it's buffoonery and they always screw up like it's really really funny and so it's about the only thing I can watch with a laugh track right now um (laughs) Spin City with Michael J. Fox it's uh it's pretty funny so yeah that is good yeah we are also not uh streaming anything you know uh mind blowing uh, right now <laughs> i never watched madam secretary when it was on i don't know if you mm-hmm. guys did but it's tia leone and tim daly and um 
but she's a former CIA analyst turned professor turned secretary of state and um, don't tell me if there's more to what she eventually becomes because I'm only in like season two but um, it's interesting and it's one of those kind of like you where like I never watched it when it was on and um, I like just going back and seeing what was kind of mm-hmm. popular at the time and um but that, and then I've introduced my uh, oldest daughter to podcasts recently because, you know, she's... Um, she, they just, Mom's she on a podcast? <laughs> you should listen well, to no. podcasts. Oh, she, not ours. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if you're offended, but no, not ours. I haven't made her listen to ours. <laughs> um, but I've always listened to crime junkies on podcasts and just mm-hmm. different serial killer, you know, podcasts and... She likes that kind of stuff, but when we road trip, she always wants to listen to music, which I get, but like five hours, we were in a car a couple weekends ago, and I'm like, okay, there's only so much Harry Styles like that I can <laughs> listen to, so like, can I introduce you to this podcast? And she actually got into it. I was kind of surprised. I wasn't sure how she'd feel about it, but so Crime Junkies podcasts all the time. Love it. I've got to know, and maybe just my two female friends on the podcast, I've got to know at some point, what is it with women and their fascination with serial killers? Don't worry about it. Just sleep with one eye open. Oh, yeah, my gosh. It just, you guys know more ways to kill people from these podcasts and shows than I... Uh, you know, I mean, but on the other hand, it has taught me a lot about self-awareness and, you know... Or paranoia. I mean, there's that, too. (laughs) Not sitting with your back to the door because you got to be the first out. You know, all those kinds of things. No. But it's just... It's fascinating. I... I do have to admit that I hate when they're unsolved. Mm. I mean, for lots of different reasons, but, you know, then I feel like I need to deep dive down the rabbit hole and try to solve this, you know, crime that (laughs) nobody's been able to solve for decades. I'm going to do it, you know, but, you know, maybe. (laughs) What about about you, Abby? Um, So I have this first world problem where I can't, like, clean the house in silence, so I have to turn something on. And so I've been just rewatching the early seasons of Supernatural. And see, I never watched that either. I know it's yeah. like a. I know a lot of people love that show. Yeah. Isn't it on like for like fifteen years or something? It went like that? on so long, <laughs> and I got like lost around season six, and so I'm probably only going to watch up to that point anyway, because it gets weird after that. Oh, uh, it gets weird at season <laughs> six. Supernatural is just normal <laughs> crime stuff, and in season six, it gets weird. <laughs> no, so there's that, and then also like every Star Wars fan in the world, we're watching Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh. It's one that my husband has downloaded to watch. We're getting ready to take a vacation. So he's like, oh, I'll watch it on the plane. I'll download yeah. it right now. So It is excellent. It, it is, is very good. so good. I cannot wait for Wednesdays now. I never, oh. That's what they like. They made me excited for Wednesdays because yeah. new episodes drop. It's like old school, you know, back when like you had to wait for TV shows to come right. out every week. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Throwing you back. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Okay, we're going to jump into our final topic today. This is a Netflix documentary called Our Father. The Our Father documentary talks about Indianapolis fertility doctor Donald Klein. The documentary starts off with the daughter of one of his patients, Jacoba Ballard, taking a 23andMe DNA test. She knew her parents used artificial insemination to get pregnant, so she was curious if she had any siblings in the area. A sperm donor is not supposed to be used more than three times, so in theory, she shouldn't have more than one or two half-siblings. Her results came back that she had seven siblings. 
Jacoba reached out to these siblings, along with a second cousin they all matched with, named Sylvia. Through Sylvia, they made the connection that they may be related to Donald Klein. The siblings and their parents were disgusted and horrified as they realized that Dr. Klein had been using his own sperm to inseminate his patients. The number of siblings was growing and growing every day. By the time this documentary was released, there were 94 known children of Dr. Klein's. He continued to avoid the blame by claiming that he only did it a few times, or he was only trying to give these women a baby like they wanted. There were no laws against this, so he was only charged with two charges of felony obstruction of justice for lying to the attorney general's office about using his sperm with two victims and for threatening Ballard with lawsuits for slander and libel. He was sentenced as a level six felon with no jail time and was fined and was fined five hundred dollars. This uh, documentary for all of us was disgusting, as it should be for anyone who watches this. Um, Joel has a little bit of a connection with this because uh, I'm not one of Donald. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that is not the connection. Asterisk. But um, uh, doctor that you know, he was in the documentary, correct? Oh yeah, this was so wild for my wife and I to watch this documentary in so many different ways. Uh, for one, um, I mean, my wife and I, we struggled with infertility for four years. We tried to get. Um, pregnant and it was not happening and so we started seeking out treatment and what was next and we ended up um, going to this place about 45 minutes away and we have two healthy um, boys today one three and one little over one um, because of the fertility treatments that we got um, from an awesome doctor who is in this documentary, uh, <laughs> like interviewed, Dr. He's, <laughs> not Dr. Klein, not him, but he was interviewed because he used to be partners with Don Klein. And so it was the craziest thing uh, seeing our doctor that helped us have our, our kiddos. And he mm-hmm. was calling Don Klein evil and talking about this crazy uh, reality. Um, man, I could not believe this really happened. And ultimately, I cannot believe that, like, he didn't break any laws by what he did. Like, the fact that this wasn't, like, that fraud even wasn't something that he could get thrown in prison for. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, it said that he's paid, like, $1.3 in civil case settlements, but no jail time, never criminally charged due to any type Mm of, you know practices it's just crazy and I was reading something else that said like in 2018 the siblings and their mothers like successfully lobbied for the nation's first fertility fraud and deception law in Indiana which shout out to all of them like that's freaking amazing but there are 44 other doctors who have been found to be perpetrators of fertility fraud like that is insane Mm -hmm. insane you guys it truly is I mean one of the dark parts of what Don Klein did was he has a lot of health issues that um, like autoimmune issues and other things going on, heart issues, and he would have never passed a screen. No, he wouldn't have been use a his sample at yeah. all. And so now there are 94 that we know of mm-hmm. kids that have these genetics that would have never passed a screening from mm-hmm. health. Um, these people are living with these problems that they never signed up for. I mean, it, I can't imagine. I put myself in the shoes of these kids and or these adults They're adults, now. yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And I just, my heart breaks for them, and there's just not going to be justice for them at all. No. So it's just terrifying. And 
I mean, it's it's evil what this what this guy did, and um, I can't even wrap my head around yeah. it. Yeah, and and the way that he tried to use the Bible to justify <laughs> his actions yeah. just made me so angry. He was saying, you know, using the verse about how I knew you before I created you in your mother's womb, Gross. saying, oh, it's not a mistake. You know, God, God wanted this to happen. No, no, he <laughs> wouldn't have wanted you to yeah. fool these women into what you did. Mm. It was disgusting. Yeah. And my heart, like Joel was talking about with all of these you know, siblings that are finding out like the original one that's focused on mostly in this documentary, if you watch it, Jacoba, like every time she gets a notification that there's a new match, like I can't even imagine the feeling that she has because she knows and she says in the documentary, basically like she knows she's destroying somebody's life every Mm -hmm. time that notification comes out because she reaches out to them and lets them know. And, you know, sometimes they don't want to know and Mm -hmm. you know like it I can't even imagine how much that would be to take in one to realize oh I have siblings also I have 94 of them Mm -hmm. like I uh, my mind would just be like purple smoke coming out my ears like I have no idea I think part of what you know hurts and what angers me about this is you know Megan and I going through Megan my wife us going through infertility I mean, you were just in such a a vulnerable state. You, um, I mean, you see people having their, you know, they're announcing that they're having a baby or you're going to a baby shower and you're just kind of the whole time, you know, celebrating with them but hurting that it's not you. And then to think that, you know, there, you think, oh, there's a way forward. Maybe we can with a lot of God and a lot of science um, have kids. Um, and then to be taken advantage of mm-hmm. like that is um, just terrible. And, um, you know, Megan and I specifically, we ended up doing something called IVF or in vitro fertilization, which I know in some circles can be controversial. Um, but, you know, it was me and it was Megan and uh, it, it was a bunch of God <laughs> and a bunch of God's grace and a bunch of science. Uh, and, you know, we're so grateful for the work of fertility doctors that are doing it right Mm -hmm. and doing it by the book and um to think that people can be you know taken advantage of like this and honestly in the documentary one of the women said it was like my mother was raped by somebody for sure um which i totally understand uh it's just so sickening um especially you know if there are people now that are longing to be parents and now they're thinking well we can't trust this system at all to possibly help us that breaks my heart mm-hmm. and um <laughs> i don't have much more to say it's just yeah. awful i'm i'm so grateful to live in a time in human history where science has advanced the way that it has and that by god's grace that these things can happen and when somebody takes advantage of it or harms somebody because of it um it breaks my heart Yeah, because, yeah, you know, it said in the documentary, too, like a lot of these women, uh, you know, showed up with samples already. So it wasn't like they were just looking for a random donor, you Mm -hmm. know. And so in the video, it has some of these fathers like in their reaction to finding out that their kid that they thought, you know, was biologically theirs all this time wasn't and you know it doesn't change like who their father is but Mm -hmm. you know just that heartbreak man it's just I can't imagine just gutting just gutting 
And a lot of these uh, siblings are within, like, I think it's at a 25-mile area in Indianapolis. And they have to be scared to date and stuff because this could be their sibling. And they don't know until they take a DNA test. Yeah, how would you like to on that first date? Hey, I need you to take a DNA (laughs) test. Yeah. You know, right? Like, it's just, it's so so dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Be like, I'm sorry, I only date people who live out of state. I don't know what else you do at that point. I know. But yes. Gut wrenching, but there are good fertility doctors. There, are, there is oh, hope for, sure. mm-hmm. for people that are struggling to conceive, um, and there are lots of ways to walk forward to consult. You know, your faith if mm-hmm. you're a person of faith to consult uh, your personal doctor, your family doctor about where hope is. And we, uh, Allison's right that we do live in a state now that there is prosecution against yeah. this mm-hmm. kind of act. So there are good people out there, and if yeah, you. Want to reach out to me on social media or email me at joel at bridgewaycocomo.com. I could share more about that um, because I'm a big believer in it because mm. I get to hug my little yeah, boys every so night cute. because of, <laughs> like I said a couple times, a lot of Jesus, a lot of God's <laughs> grace, and a lot of science. Yep. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have questions or topics you'd like us to talk about, you can email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Atypical Talk Pod, and make sure to subscribe and rate. We love seeing those five-star reviews come in, and we love your support. We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there, down here, in your everyday life. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.